Hello, and welcome to The Canadian Story, where we discuss what Canada is, what Canada could be, and what Canada should be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Canadian Story. Today, we are joined by one of the most important people in my life, uh, Ian Blackwood. Ian has been mentoring me for, I don't know, a decade and a half. I discovered his band when I was a wee child (laughs) and fell in love with it. Um, I have one of his songs tattooed on my arm. And this man uh, was the first man to teach me how to record. This man is the man who hooked me up with the job that has taken me through uh, 25 plus countries uh, touring with a professional band. He has mentored me in hunting and countless other things. Um, Ian is a singer and songwriter. He is a wedding photographer. He is an actor and an all around interesting and awesome dude. So Ian, welcome to the show. Listen, for the record, Zach said it, not me, okay? so <laughs> Zach, David, thank you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Um, so just to start things off, we would love to ask you, like we ask a lot of our guests, what is something that you love about Canada? Oh, man, it's a beauty question, and here's the thing. like, There's a lot of things I love about Canada, but some of my favorite, and I think the, one of my the, the most favorite thing I love about this country is our seasons. Um, you know, we got some cold winters, um, probably, I mean, we're in Ontario, but probably not as cold as where, uh, where David's from, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> true enough, true enough. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I love our seasons. You know, I'm, I love what it does to the, the, the fact that we get these, these heavy winters and these, these nice springs and I love what it does to the soil. I'm, uh, I'm a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, a sustainable kind of type guy and I like growing my own vegetables. So I, I love what it does uh, to the soil and stuff. And yeah, I think, um, I think seasons is a big one for me. I just I love that because it really is something that's pretty unique to to Canada how and and actually Ontario to a degree how intense our seasons are right like you yeah. genuinely get a spring summer and fall you don't really get a spring summer and fall in Texas like you're going to get yeah. summer and then rainy season except for right or, now I think I think hell's just froze over well, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> except for right now <laughs> true 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 but no, you're you are you are right, David. And I think that again, it's the it's like the diverse, just as much as Canada's kind of di- diverse in in culture, um, it's also quite diverse in weather. I think. Which is yeah, nice. exactly, exactly. One of the things I love about the seasons is that as the seasons change, I find that I change with the seasons. So, in the winter, I become more internal and drawn into myself, and I hibernate a little bit more. Right. Oh, and I And like in the summer, I just naturally change with the land and I become more vibrant and more outgoing and I do more things. And, um, my wife who's from California didn't grow up with seasons and she never experienced that until coming to Canada and, and feeling the ebb and flow of the land, which I think is something very, very cool. And I mean, she's still here, right, Zach? So you know it's a, you yeah, know. Yeah, so it must exactly. be, it must be something. You must, must have done something, something right, she, Zach. She must be enjoying it, and you must have done something right. <laughs> yeah. I like to think so. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, so, Ian, I want to talk about hunting, because a number of years ago, you got me into hunting, and it's become a very important part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to I talk about you and your story and how you got into it and why. And I, and I think to add to that, is there anything more Canadian than hunting? Seriously. I don't, I don't think there is. 
No, I don't think so. And I think that was one of the. It was honestly, guys. It was the, one of those little the uh, the box that I was missing that was unchecked in my life. <laughs> right. I thought, okay, right. I also I also have to learn how to do that. Um, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, um, <laughs> like in all seriousness, I actually okay. So you're you're talking to a person who spent a lot of his life playing in punk rock bands and playing punk rock music. Um, now that being said, I, I don't think there's a stigma versus punk guys don't hunt or anything like that. But for the most part, I mean, um, I was running with a crowd like the vegan, vegetarian type crowd, um, just the types that would never ever imagine, you know, yourself stalking an animal, um, you know, setting up and waiting, you know, sometimes days, sometimes years for an animal, and then you know, ethically taking that animal's life and then learning how to process it properly and all those things. That that was I call it kind harvesting. Of, I call it harvesting. Yeah, that was a way better. Yeah, I should have just said harvesting. Jeez, <laughs> but you are correct. That and that's it. And I was not. I mean, I just was not really. I didn't imagine myself as one of those types. Um, you know, even going back six, seven years ago, because um, it was only. I'm. I'm still quite new. I mean, I'm five, six years into my my sort of hunting career, as you would. But um, let's take let's take a moment to appreciate just to draw out the the difference. When I met Ian, he was wearing skinny black jeans and eyeliner, and now whenever <laughs> I run into Ian, he's wearing camo and usually carrying a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all grow up sometime, right? <laughs> yeah, I just looked in the mirror one day and I, I stopped painting my fingernails and I just started, you know, painting camo paint on all my weapons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um, no, but I, I, I want to hear about this journey. So, so tell us more about this journey that you were on. Well, hunting and, and I, well, I'm going to tie in firearms too, just because I'm an avid fire an avid firearm owner and a proprietor of of of, uh, of you know so as long as you you pass our licensing program in Canada and all this stuff for for your right to um, to own and and to to house uh, firearms, you do it safely and all and you know all that good stuff. But um, that's how it all kind of started for me. I had kind of very lo- little interest. If anything, I didn't really like guns. Um, my father's a retired retired police officer for Metro Toronto. He he served for thirty two years. Um, you know he had a he, he always had a sidearm. He always had a handgun on him and um, you know on the job. And I mean he wasn't really a gun guy either. He was a great shot though. Funny funny thing about him, he's one of the best shots in his platoons. But he just wasn't really. It was just one of those things he was naturally good at. But he just didn't really like fall in love with it the way I've fallen in love with firearms. But um, anyhow, my my father in law, my wife and I, and we've we've been married now for eleven years, going on twelve, and uh, we've been together for. 15, 16 years. And, wow. Um, we'll yeah. have to have you back on to talk about that. That's a, <laughs> that's that, a long relationship. <laughs> that in, in and of itself is an episode. but Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, you know, after meeting her dad, and he's such a he's such a great guy, and he's actually an, an avid collector, and he's got some really cool old historic firearms as well as, you know, um, grandfathered things and, uh, you know, things that I... I probably wouldn't be able to ever own because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not of this nearly the same generation, but anyway, it was kind of him. He mentioned that he said, he said one day, you know, these things, these firearms have to go somewhere and, um, right, right. You know, and they'll, they'll go to a smelting plant if they don't go to anybody or they'll go to a bunch of, you know, um, friends or collectors that he knew. And funnily enough, it was actually my wife, Aaron's idea to get our firearms licenses. So, right. Right. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, Zach. I, I thought I told you that story, but yeah. So kind of, and I'll be honest with you. Kind of begrudgingly, I thought, okay, well, yeah, I guess we'll go and get our PAL and you know get our um, prohibit or our, uh, restricted and non-restricted. Um, so you know, we did the testing, and and actually, the course was so cool, um, and it was so educational. We did it with a fellow named Tony Cooper, and he runs, uh, I think they're called, they're called Ready Aim Firearms. Um, his uh, his little like clinics he does, but he was so informative. And he was so good and charismatic about the whole thing that I actually kind of got stoked about firearms. And then 
it wasn't until I got my first uh, Russian SKS Kalashnikov rifle that oh, you can I actually... love the SKS. Dude, love you, the SKS. And as you know, David, I'm sure you can take apart you can take apart the whole thing with your hands. So there's yeah, no, the, it's one of the best guns in the. Yeah. I love the SKS. Yeah, and you can just you, oh, you could use one cartridge to just pop the trigger uh, uh, mechanics out, and then next thing you know, you've got a whole completely taken apart um, rifle right in front of you. And honestly, man, it was I'm mechanically minded. I have I've always been mechanically minded. I'm the person that when I was 11 or 12 and I got my first electric guitar, I had it in part within a few months like i literally took right, the whole thing apart right. you wanted to see how it worked exactly and i'm again i'm being mechanically minded and being that type of person when i did that with the, with the rifle it's just it's something hit me where i was like oh this i'm in i'm in love right now oh, yeah, Even, like, this is a, a machine unlike any other machine totally and i you know i thought to myself like imagine you know being a commando in 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 the you know in the thinking about being a commando in the trenches and thinking how when you had to clean this thing and you would literally clean it with the cleaning kit that's in the buttstock of most SKS. Like just yes. all these little things where I thought, because I, again, I love mechanics. I love how things are made. I love watching those shows, how things are made. And um, and then, yeah, like after a couple times at the range, I actually, um, I thought to myself, you know, and it was the, at the time when I was, I stopped being vegan, stopped being vegetarian. And I always said to myself, I really would love to, um, experience what it's like to actually properly and go get my own meat like if i'm going to eat it again i should know what it's what it takes and not just fishing yeah. like i should know what it takes to to stock the to animal kill. To, to, kill. to kill you to harvest it everything man yeah 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 so uh then i went and got my hunting license immediately and at the time you had to do a turkey test which now is all roped in but i got my turkey test too at the same time and then it was funny my dad who's not a hunter type at all he said you know i got my buddy bob lives up in huntsville and he's uh, he's looking for someone to go hunting with him sometimes and he said he'll take you and it was my first time ever going so he, he took me he took me under his wing and I, o I only got to go up about two years in a row but i'd only go up for about two days and then i'd come back home and then that was my hunting season it was over so right, i um right i hadn't really secured land yet and i was still kind of like trying to figure that stuff out but one of the best pieces of advice bob ever gave me about hunting he said get a crossbow or get a bow and arrow if you're if you're if you're not into the bow compound bow world just yet he said get a crossbow and i said okay well like what's the big thing about the crossbow he goes well they're accurate as hell right um, they're, <laughs> yes yes which helps Yep, they're lightweight um, <laughs> per se, but he said the best part is you get the bow season. And I thought to yeah. myself, oh, that's brilliant. Like you go from your one to two week gun hunt and then all of a sudden you've got almost 90 days depending on where your uh, wildlife management unit is, so where you're hunting. But that was the, some of the best advice he ever there's, gave me. There's also just more nobility in a lot of ways, I feel like, to killing an animal with a bow. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think that's, and we can discuss that all day long as well, for sure. But that some of the best advice he ever gave me, and I, and I thought about it too because I thought that makes total sense. Rather than, and, and also the cool thing about a bow's only season is especially where it ends up where I hunt on my uncle's property, he prefers that we only use bow. And he's out in, he's in Brantford, so he's only he's only an hour from me. But I can spend you know other than the the, the two gun hunt weeks, I can spend you know eighty days plus or seventy five days plus trying so hard, you know just trying and failing. Whereas like with the gun hunt, you only you only get a couple of weeks to fail. So this way, at least I can fail yes. for longer. But you know, <laughs> well, <laughs> so. and that's how you learn, right? That's how you learn. <laughs> exactly. Yep, that's how you learn, especially with hunting, man. Oh my goodness, is it ever just a climb, a climb? So so tell us <laughs> tell us a little bit about your first hunt. What was it like? What did you What did you learn? <laughs> um, actually, my first one was this was this is one of my favorite stories. It was with Bob. He took me on, and uh, it was day two. So the first day we went, it was it was great. He just like 
kind of like explained the simplicities and like we talked about still hunting versus sitting on a watch which uh, versus like um you know tree stand hunting and stuff like that and um you know he explained those things to me and then we just hiked into some of his favorite spots and we kind of looked around and we were sort of just getting a feel for what we were going to get into over the next like i think i was going to hunt for about 48 72 hours with him or something like that so but day two had to have been the funniest day bob he's uh He's a fella in his 60s, and uh, he's uh, a bit of an old dog, new tricks, can't do it. So um, he's just right, got his, he's right. got his ways. He decided he'd, he'd lead the, the hunt a few, a few feet ahead of me and go check his uh, trail cam and check his feeder to see if there was uh, any deer, if there's any deer footage on the cams. Sure enough, because he's a bit of an older fella and I guess some of his hearing is gone, he, um, <laughs> he decides to take a few extra, few, uh, further steps ahead, get ahead of me a little more. And then because he get, I guess he's getting kind of excited. And all of a sudden I look over and honestly not 15 yards was a massive 12 point buck. And he was probably a three or four year, maybe five year. And then a really nice looking doe just hanging out, but it clearly caught us. But the, <laughs> the worst part was Bob didn't know because he's too busy. Oh. He's fiddling with his hunting camera. <laughs> and I'm going, and, and you know, I'm, I'm just going, pop, pop. <laughs> I mean, it's trying my best to like right. yell but not yell and then he looks at me and I'm like pointing I'm like eye the eyeball you know, the two yes, points yep, on the yep. eye and then we're, and he's there sure is this majestic buck so Bob's looking at me and he's, he's just kind of like starts shaking a little bit and I'm like oh and this is the first time like I honestly didn't think I was going to see anything right. uh, I, I didn't know I just didn't know right but he'd obviously done his he's always done his prelim and he's always he's got his he's got his feeder out there he's got his cameras and but anyway man it was so majestic but he caught us and then he just ran off but then the best part I swear I swear to god it was like it was like an epic like deer film moment. He stood up about just about 35, maybe 45 yards, right at a range of our crossbows. Um, and slight, there was just too much bush, but he stood right up just on this sort of like um, this ridge and he looked at us and he just sort of kind of went like, and you could see that his nostrils just kind of like uh, shoot out a little bit of like that cold air. And then he just he just kicked off yep. and left, and he was just like suckers. And I was, I was so funny. <laughs> I just remember, I'm just like, I, it was, he was I so got you. too. <laughs> Their animals are... But I blame, I honestly, I blame, sorry to cut you off, I blame Bob for that one. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's on Bob. That's on Bob for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he knew that okay. too, he knew that. He, he, he felt bad about it. But So a lot of people who, uh, who are opposed to hunting, they, they hate the idea of killing a li another living creature. Mm. And uh, it's interesting because most of these people kill other living creatures in some way or another all the time. They drive cars, they, you know, they heat their homes, there's there's always mm -hmm. a, a cost, you know, life and death are married in existence, right? Like for the old mm -hmm. or for the new to rise, the old must die, right? And one of the things that I've always found fascinating is we killed off a lot of these animals predators and now we're basically the only predator of any significance left. And if we don't hunt them, they're going to, their populations will explode and there'll actually ha be a lot of the disease and other things will be the thing that has to, has to take them out. So I, I want you to share with the listeners your first experience harvesting, let's say, a deer and mm -hmm. what that did for you in terms of your own understanding of life itself. Um, yeah. You know, if you don't mind, David, I'm, can I talk about the first turkey? Because the first turkey oh, I sure. actually Oh, sure. Yeah, got, yeah, yeah. Actually, 
Yes. Only because it that was the first animal that I ever got was turkey, and it, and and subsequently the years after that, just turkeys for a while until I finally. And we'll, we can talk about the deer too, but honestly, the the turkey too. I mean, I I think it's just as meaningful it being you know um quite yeah, a absolutely quite a absolutely. dinosaur of a bird and um yeah, yeah. oh man i'll never forget i like it's funny I, I have these conversations too with immediate friend here's the thing if you're a meat eater friend and you immediately say to me or a friend who you know a colleague or a friend who's hunting and you say oh how can you do that the conversation's over like you you can't yeah, yeah it's, it's just if, stupid it's just yeah. stupid now if you're vegan, if you're vegan or vegetarian yes let's absolutely have a debate and a conversation about it i'm a hundred percent on board i want to hear about your lifestyle i used to be part of that lifestyle you know i used to i used to um completely subscribe to that so but yeah if you're a meat eater and you're telling me that hunting is is cruel then the conversation is absolutely over i'm sorry but that's you can't you can't go and buy it off a shelf and pretend like someone else didn't do that job. And and that's the thing about it too. Someone else did that job for you. You don't even know yeah, what it's like to do you, that. You're job, washing you know? your hands of the blood, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Quite yeah. literally. Quite literally. <laughs> so yeah, I'll never forget my very first turkey harvest though, man. It was it actually was in a and it was cool too because they ended up getting featured in uh, the um, Canada, Canadian Outdoors magazine, um, Outdoors Mag, and I actually ended up winning a little coffee mug and stuff from it just because oh, it, was a, nice, it was my first nice. harvest and it was a nice right, picture. Yes. And yeah, so I submitted it in. But anyway, I'll never forget. I took my neighbor John, who's a um, he's a veteran hunter of gosh maybe twenty five years. He's he's from Mantua Island originally, and um, he uh, actually we connected one day. I was just out heading out to my truck and I grab I went to my garage and I grabbed my target and my crossbow and he just looked over at me. And we just looked at each other, and he went, hey. And I went, hey. And he went, okay, cool. And then he went back in his house, and we just knew at that moment we were going to be friends, and he knew that I was a hunter. Because so, he didn't know all those years I used to pull right. up in a van and a trailer, and I, you know, I t- like, like Zach said, I had nail polish on me, and it was just it was a funny little time in my life. And I mean, I don't, I don't regret it whatsoever. It was, it was the time I lived. It was wonderful. It was fun. But this, you know, I, I'm a, you know, obviously a different person now. But yeah, he, uh, anyway, I took him hunting to my uncle's, and I've been doing reconnaissance for a couple of years now at this point. And I, I was starting to track the turkeys and the hens and the toms and what they were doing. The toms are still difficult as zach knows they're difficult up my uncles but um the hands we'll, though we'll, they, we'll have some we'll have a little helper for you uh the next next season i would think uh this dog is pretty good at uh <laughs> oh that's awesome out. Yeah. Un- unfortunately there's no dog their dogs aren't allowed to hunt on my oh, on, on, in oh, that wmu enough, which enough. is a huge bummer but uh <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh well i think we'll it should find be, another I, place yeah I, I honestly think we could we could refute it though and i think we could probably open it up to the consideration because i think i think some people do it anyway so but yeah they always say kind of no dogs in that area which i think is silly but anyway uh, i'll never forget i invited him to come hunting and i i'd been doing reconnaissance for for months and i was trying to you know uh, and i was also like I wanted to show him that I'm a hunter too. You know, I was like, oh, yes. you know, I've, I've, I know where the birds are, and I know. So, the whole morning was a bit of a crapshoot, and we hadn't heard, hadn't heard or seen much. And then I said to him, well, well, you know, let's take the 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 rest of the early early afternoon, and we'll just, I'll show you around the property. So we walked around a bit, and it's it's only 35 acres, so depending on where you, what trails you take, it doesn't take forever to go around. You know, a good half of it or three quarters. But anyway, we I said, listen, do you want to wrap it up or do you want to? keep going he said let's keep going so we went back to where we were but honestly we were only sitting for about 35 40 minutes and we were nice and quiet he had a he had a blind off about 20 30 yards from where i was but they were pointed obviously in, in opposite directions but um not at each other um and uh we uh we just kind of waited and waited and the next thing you knew he, he he actually texted me he said i hear purrs and then sure enough um a nice flock about seven or eight maybe nine hens came walking through right where we were set up and then i was it was it was really the first time for me, so I started shaking. Uh, my heart started racing. <laughs> right. and, yes. Oh, yeah. it's a, it's quite the feeling, isn't it? Like oh, it adrenaline really is, on a level that 
it's the it's pure adrenaline in a different way than other people experience adrenaline. Like it's not it's 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 uncomparable to any other form of adrenaline. Absolutely, and especially the um the the bit of the the bit of the sweats and just that like just that yeah that that rush. So it started coming through me. Held up my crossbow, found a half decent hen, made sure she was in the sights for a good few seconds. I think I may even half closed my eyes. I don't remember, but that's amazing. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I was just like, or I think I maybe kind of said a bit of a prayer and then sort of opened it and then you know just let out a nice exhale, squeeze the trigger, boom, and she went down real fast, died real quick. But I remember seeing two arrows fly off in the distance, and <laughs> it was my neighbor who was a compound bowman. He uh, he got two arrows off somehow, but he still managed to miss his because he. Was, oh no! Yeah. So it was and it was a bit of a bummer because I wanted to double harvest for sure. But um, yes, he later found out he was having some sight problems. I think with his compound bow. So, but anyway. I remember he he actually just said, hey, just give it, because I walked up, and he's like, no, 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 just wait, just give it a minute, take a breath, relax, calm down, mm-hmm. and I was doing all these things, and I got to be honest with you, I'm so happy that he was there, because he actually did help me a lot, and he, he, he was, you know, he's been amazing, his name's John Graham, he's been awesome, John, if you listen, thanks, brother, again, like, he's been, you know, Zach actually was with me this year when we were, uh, we were butchering the, uh, my dough that I got this year, so um, he's been incredible, he's been pivotal in my, in the harvest um, and cleaning of the animals and showing me how to do it, and then I, I, in turn, showed exactly, Zach exactly how to do it in the way John showed me, and, but, yeah, it was, um, I, I think, you know, I shed a tear, I did, I shed a tear, and I remember oh, saying, nice. yeah, I remember saying thank you, I put, I put my hand on the on the turkey, and again, this is just a turkey, I know, but to me, it's 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 a life, I value every animal life, and just like I value yeah. human life, and, um, but yeah, and something changed, though, it changed, and then, um, yeah, I think, I think after that, it was just like, there was a bit more clarity in my life, there was just a better understanding, you know, when I eat, even, especially eating birds and chickens, but in general, eating meat and getting it myself, roast, and then, you know, after cleaning it and roasting it and all those other things, but yeah, that feeling is, it's like nothing else, man. It changes you, doesn't it? Now, it I want to oh, get into 100%. that. What, what do you think it changed in you from this? Like, what, what, what perspective on life, how is your perspective on life different now? Man, great question. For me, it made me, um, it humbled me, first of all, because, I mean, I'd spent years trying to um, figure these birds out, just like with deer. De- it de- man, like, people think, oh, you know, I got these, I get friends all the time saying, oh, so it's cool, so you just get free meat. You just go out there and get free meat. It's like, no, man, you have no idea. Yeah, like, you don't know what the, like, the you, have, you, you don't, you haven't been where I've been. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me. You don't, you know, don't know who me. I am. <laughs> but, you know, like, to... To just completely discredit Mother Nature like that, like we talk about Mother Nature, and you know how about like how um, you know everyone's talking about climate and all these things and uh, the warming and the cooling and all that, it, you know all those other things. But there's some things that we sometimes just don't talk about enough, and it's the sheer like like just savagery and and not only savagery but like animals animals are incredible, man. Deer, like they can leap like six feet or 12 feet or whatever it is in one bound. Like, Oh, they could turn around on a dime. Like I remember once uh, I was driving in Alberta and a deer came out at night and I slammed on the brakes and that deer fell on the road from fear, from the squealing of my brakes. I bumped it with my bumper. It got up and was gone within less than five seconds. Gone. You know, how many times have you walked in the woods where, and again, this, this comes right down to what changed in me. 
every time before, especially before getting getting a deer and getting a doe, or um, you'd hear a deer whistle and you think, oh, your hunt is blown. But even the little things that you you weren't doing right before because you were blowing your hunt because you're a terrible hunter, like the things that you learn after you finally harvest that animal, it's just like, oh my goodness, like. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's just a. I think it's a lot of respect. I really, really didn't know that I. Not that I didn't have respect for for nature and the animals, but the amount of respect I gained, and especially like, um, man, like I'm inside right now. They're outside right now. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like All granted, some of them granted some of them won't survive some of the cold, but for the most part, they do. And when they do, it's like, man, it got down to minus thirty that season. Like. That to me, like, and that's kind of part of the hunting too, is why I think it's important people get out there, especially in the colder season too, even to just experience a few times, just so you understand and you gain that respect because it's like these, these animals, they, the tur- turkeys too, like, man, they, they're in that right now. Like they don't, they don't have houses that are heated, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's, um, something that the non hunting community doesn't understand about the hunting community is the deep and incredible respect the hunting community not only has for the land itself but the animals that they hunt i don't know i think we need to be a little bit fair there are there are bad actors in the hunting community oh 100 percent like poachers and and so i don't want to sugarcoat it there are bad people who hunt uh oh yeah people who don't ask permission uh, you deal with it all the time i i've i've heard stories i'm even the property i hunt they're no longer around i but i had a game warden game warden come right out to my blind once because he was looking for a, a couple of guys that had no permission and yeah it happens it definitely happens man but like going back to what you said zach i would say the good actors in the hunting community have a more appreciation for nature than any of these you know woke environmentalists who oh are, yeah like like oh, yeah like they're i've de- farmers and hunters love the land way more than anyone who's at a protest in downtown toronto about saving the earth 100 percent, 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah and i think that's farmers also that... don't have time to to go <laughs> down to any of those protests farmers don't have time yeah i just think i think it's something that's underappreciated in the non-hunting community i don't know anyone who loves animals more than hunters i Dude, really don't of course 100% and the fact that we we dedicate most of us uh, you know uh, we dedicate our time and our our efforts and our you know shooting ethically and shooting you know uh, gr- grouping our, our our firearms and our weapons and putting in the work, putting in the effort and the reconnaissance to to make it a a good hunt and be an ethical hunt and make the death as quickly as possible. It's another thing I try to tell the, you know some people like that the the, the non hunter types are like Mother Nature is savage. You know wolves, coyotes, these animals, these predators, they'll eat they an eat them alive. The back, they eat them alive from the back up, and it's like at least we have we can have as humans we can have compassion. And we can understand that, okay, like, I'm going to try to do this as, and make it as quick as possible, you know? I love I love that, and I want to go on that a bit, because I think there's... Everyone's always like, Canadians are so nice, right? Mm-hmm. They're, you know, we're... We live in a savage land. 100%. Like, <laughs> like I, yep. and, and you know what? And we do it with such kindness. And, like, I was... We had this gigantic snowstorm in southwestern Ontario over the last... Uh, couple of days and I was walking from my house to the local convenience store and everyone was out with their snow blowers and their shovels like the streets were packed with people clearing their driveways and I was like this is Canada yeah we we respond to the savagery of nature 
by bringing order to chaos. <laughs> and with the camaraderie about it. Yeah. Every time, every time I'm out shoveling snow and my neighbors are out shoveling snow, inevitably people end up helping each other. Yeah. And I think <laughs> yeah. that's something yes. beautiful and yes. uniquely Canadian for sure. Oh, dude, I nine times out of ten, seven times out of ten, I'm shoveling my neighbor's driveway. It's just some, I go outside and I'm done mine and I look over and you know maybe it's early in the morning or it's mid afternoon and they've been gone and they just, you know they didn't have time. I'm over there doing it and they're doing mine sometimes too. You know it's just like it's just one of those things. It's like it's the yep, Canadian way, right? Totally. And and so totally. going back to the savagery, right? The, the nature being savage, I I think there is a lack of appreciation among okay, I call them city dwellers, but you know whatever we want to call them, urbanites. There's a lack of understanding of how easily nature can kill you. Mm. Like, there's just a complete disregard for how fragile human life is, truly. We, we act like we're somewhat invinci- invincible, but, like, there are parasites wandering around in the sloughs of Alberta that if you drink the water there, you're dead within 24 hours. Right. And, and we act like these marvels that, that, that civilization have created that, that basically shield us from reality, which is that we're incredibly, we're meat bags, right? Um, I think that going out into nature and hunting, and like I was raised in the country, and I grew up hunting. I, I think I was the first person to ever take Zach hunting. He actually was. David was the first person <laughs> to ever take me hunting is, when I was uh, 12 go, years old. Go, is that the gopher, gopher stories hunting, that you yes, told me about? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 he yeah, took yeah, me yeah, out nice. hunting. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and like awesome. I grew up, um, I, I, I have not harvested a, a deer or a moose myself but i've been there multiple times mm. when they're being harvested grew up on that meat um my one of my best friends growing up killed the canadian record moose when i was you know no right, right in his backyard hey no way that's great and uh awesome. and i always just find that hunters are way more chill right <laughs> they've experienced something that has made them realize because i guess when I asked you the question, what did you learn about life? What I've learned, because I remember the first time I killed, I, f- I was devastated, mm-hmm. right? It took me weeks. And I was a gopher, right? Right, right. <laughs> and, and it, well, actually, it was a muskrat. And, and a part of why I was devastated was because when I killed that muskrat, I felt like that muskrat didn't need to die. Okay. I just, I just did it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in the case of, uh, of farmers, often, like with gophers, they're pests. Yeah. You have to, if you, if you don't get rid of them, your horses will break their legs in their holes and your cattle, you know, they'll eat all the grass. There's all kinds of pr- problems with goph- gophers. But when I first killed that muskrat, it was like, why did you do that? And I think that's also something you learn. You learn that there's bad things in you too, mm-hmm. right? And, and how do you, you, you look at nature and you see this savagery and you understand that nature is not good or bad. It just is. And similar, but the, but that humans, like you said, get to decide that we'll be merciful. We don't mm-hmm. have to be savages. We yeah. can be better than nature. Um, I mean, that's kind of perfectly put. Lovely, lovely job, David. I think uh, here, here's another. I don't want to make this dark, but I have a very interesting um, comfort level now. I'm almost forty, and for some odd reason. I've got a, an interesting level of comfort with death and um, there's something, there's actually something um, interesting about it to me. And I've had, you know, I've lost loved ones to certain circumstances and um, I've gotten, you know, get, still getting over it, getting used to it and, and things like that. But death interests me too. And um, in a sense that like 
responsibility. And again, with taking like even my first deer, um, it's, yeah, it just, there's something interesting about it. And, um, I think maybe if we spent more time, um, understanding a little more, like I think we're, we're kind of naive in the, in this, in the sense that you can literally just go to a store and buy this, this stuff and then put it in your mouth and cook it. The fact that hunting can put you sort of right in line with death it's I don't know it's there's something there there's a nugget there and I'm still trying to figure it out but can I take yeah. a swing at it yeah yeah I think something that hunters have wrestled with that people who don't hunt haven't is their own need to to survive mm-hmm. and their ability to kill and we all have it and you know let's let's take a moment to remember that the day and age that we live in where we can go to the grocery store and get food mm-hmm. is a relatively new thing. That's the anomaly. Yeah. And so for our entire human history, we had to wrestle with survival yes. and death to survive. Yep. And the, the people who go out, who choose to go out and hunt choose to still wrestle with that age old piece of humanity. I love that. Zach. Yeah. I love that. And, yes. uh, and that, I can't put my finger on exactly how that changes you, but it changes you in a very profound way. I think it's it's the confront it's confronting the the ultimate human question. The ultimate human question is, why am I here? Yeah, right. Totally. What is this about? And the 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 truth of the matter is, death is a part of life. Yes. And and we've been trying and we try to avoid it and we whitewash it, and we. We go through the motions, but like I, I even think about the fact we don't even live with our old people anymore, right? right? We used to always like I, one of the things I love about my uncle, uh, well Zach and I's uncle and aunt is that they they took our grandma in and they just take care of her, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And what what he says uh, about that is they also have their ch- uh, their daughter and the, her husband living with them and three little kids. It's this intergenerational home. And there is more happiness and joy and community in that house than you see in almost any Western home. Right. And I think, I think it's because we, we've, we've tried to exalt youth. We, we claim, like youth has become our God. Right. Like all of our, our movie stars, they're, they're beautiful and young. And, and it's almost as if after you hit 30, life is over. And a lot of people treat it that way, mm. right? But there is so much more to life. Oh my goodness, so much. And that includes confronting death because really, I I think, and I I talked about this on a podcast yesterday or recently, fear, fear is the most prevalent emotion right now in our society. It didn't used to be this way. Yeah, 100%. It didn't used to be this way. And I think we, part of it is fear of the unknown. We're afraid of something we don't understand. And death is the ultimate unknown. But when you confront it with things like hunting or being there as your grandparent slowly dies, you're going to you're going to realize that it maybe isn't as scary as you thought. Um, yeah, I'll be honest with you. That's kind of the enlightenment that hit me a couple of times in my life. One, obviously losing someone extremely, extremely close to me and having to be one of the people that identified her. But um, when that happened, there was a bit of a a bit of a click and a bit of a clarity. And honestly, this, and I, I'm not relating, I, I'm not trying to downplay the, the, the loss of a human life versus the loss of a, you know, a turkey or a deer or whatever, but death is death. 
and then and and also taking you know a, a turkey's life or a deer's life like man those clarity moments happened when that happened too and it was yes. kind of like yes. a, a, a a you know um a light bulb moment if you will you know so Yes, I always I always thought that this is what the First Nations understood on on the most clear spiritual oh, level. Oh, abso- absolutely, right? yeah, absolutely. I think so. Yeah, I didn't mean to go so dark, though, fellas. No, I, just, you know, I, don't, like, I love I it. Think, I think I think it's important for people to to hear this because honestly, how many people are are living in t- in total fear of a cold? Not a cold. I mean, it's worse than a cold, mm-hmm. but. But but pending, honestly, pending uh, pending your your comorbidities too. I'm a heart disease guy. I was born and raised. I'm born and raised. I was born with heart disease. I had heart surgery when I was six months old. I'm a I'm a comorbidity guy. So me, I'm a high risk fellow. So like that's you know yeah. That's dip, so, you know, and that's yeah. scary, right? Yeah, scary but, for sure. But like when I, what I've been saying to people is when did we become so afraid to die? Right. Yeah. And hey, that's <laughs> I think that's kind of the thing I've been saying honestly, David, for the last like five six years of this hunting life. I was I, I and again you know talking about losing loved ones or whatever. There's this. There has been that motive of clarity. That when were we so afraid to die and, and 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 to talk about, you know, the you know death and, yeah, I don't know. And there's something kind of, you know, I, I gotta relate. I gotta bring in something too that I've been doing for about the last six seven years. I've been training Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as well. Oh, and I of have, course you have. Every and, great person I've ever met has been training it. <laughs> so I have to bring it in, and it's because I also the same thing, man. When you've got a grown man, a grown woman, heck, not even a, a, a really strong teenager for that matter. They've got their hands around your neck. They've got you in a choke and they're seconds away from putting you out and then only seconds away from ending it all. And, you know, obviously you'll tap, but it's those moments too of humility and humbling. Man, yes. Like I've been training. Yeah. I've been training almost seven years, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and another enlightenment, eye opening, um, life changing activity is for me is, is that. And, that coupled with the hunting and coupled with just like life changing things, that's definitely one of them. And it was, I was never, ever, I was the last person to fight. I hated fights. Get me as far as away from a fight. I'm, I'm scared. I'm a wimp. I'm not into it. I used to get bullied and no thank you. I'm not into it. And um, yeah, jujitsu, it like, it opened my eyes, man. It like, but also builds like this level of confidence that you know given a situation, what you're capable of. Right? 100%. When, you, when you've never fought, I always say this, not enough people in this country have been punched in the face. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? Which I like, have been to many a times, by the way. <laughs> but I haven't retaliated. <laughs> I'll tell you what. The first time I ever sparred, I was the first one to land a hit. And I was like, this is great. I feel so alive. And then I got hit yeah. so hard right in the head. <laughs> and yeah. you know what? I was even more alive oh, in that moment. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's like it's the weirdest thing because you get you get the the addict starts kicking in because but it's we're it's we're primal that it's in us men and women it it's is. in us man I've I've been tapped out more times by probably more women than than I can even imagine like <laughs> I'm telling you it's primal it's in us and like but the best thing about it is you're hugging it out after you know, you're slapping hands before you do it and then you're hugging out hugging it out after you respect you're talk- yes it's about respect yes man and like that's yeah I. I love that. And that's another thing that I, you know, sort of um, credit to my sort of life, sort of changing, life altering and sort of um, waking up is, is the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I was doing karate before that, but... The have, you, ju- have you done chess? Have I played chess? Like, like, have you got into it ever? Like, no, I mean, I think I played when I was, for fun when yeah. I was young, not actually. But I, I, mean, I, I just got back into it about six months ago and I, I have never 
done anything that has been better for my mental development. See that that's really cool. And the fun thing about jujitsu is they talk about it's human chess, right? So oh, exactly. Yeah. It is. That yeah. is what it is. Yeah. yeah I wonder how many people have gotten into chess over the past six months. Oh, I, the I think Gambit the Queen's Gambit out. just yeah, the <laughs> set chess the chess world back on fire. If you haven't watched the Queen's Gambit, it's incredible. I highly it is. It. Okay, no, I, I actually haven't oh, watched it. Oh, so. dude, it's oh, so it's, good. It's you're, just you're, great you're, television. Just great television. You're about to become a chess player. Yeah. Well, we have a another uh, guest coming on here shortly so unfortunately we have to cut it there but thank you so much for coming on and man i guess the way that i would summarize what you said then i'd like to hear your your closing remarks is there is so much more out there to bring contentment peace love and joy into your life whether it be hunting or brazilian jiu-jitsu there are things out there let's not be tied down by by our childhood identities right your, your childhood identity is something you enjoyed and it brought a lot of good things into your life, but you've moved into a different phase now, and that's okay. We don't, you don't have to be tied to one idea. What you should be tied to is the idea of living the most holistic and, I, I don't know, at one with the world life that you can. Again, another lovely uh, piece by David. That was pretty much bang on, brother. I, yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think one of the biggest things for me was after losing somebody so close to me, it was the moment of life. Life is short. And um, man, like, get out there. Get out there. Yeah, that, that, that is the best summary. Get out there. Live. That's it, man. Love it. Love it. That's what it is to be Canadian. Get out there. We love That's, the outdoors. We love it. Hey, listen, we love it. It's in us. It's there. Don't suppress it. Let, set it free, baby. Let it go. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Yep. Well, uh, I'm going to just say this has been an amazing pleasure. Zach, I'm sure you have some final words, too. Ian, thank you so much. I I mean, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for teaching me how to hunt. Thank you for teaching me how to record. <laughs> Thanks for being my big bro. You're the man. <laughs> I love you. And uh, we'll have you on again sometime. Buddy, you're you're so welcome. It's it's always been my pleasure. And Dave, Zach, thanks so much, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Let's do it again. Let's go. Oh, we will. I, I have no <laughs> doubt. I have no, this is what I what Zach and I plan on doing for the rest of our lives. So <laughs> awesome. All right, take me along for the ride sometimes. Oh, we will. We will. And and awesome. and you know what? Maybe I'll kill my first deer with you, brother. Like that would be <laughs> man. That that would just make it make the trifecta complete yeah exactly the triumvirate <laughs> we're gonna Zach, zach's gonna zach's gonna try to get that buck ne- uh, next or this year the one that he gave a haircut to so oh, we can get that one, he'll so. get it he'll get yeah, it, he'll get it so. <laughs> all right boys all right well thank you guys and uh you know let's love canada let's do it pleasure ian thank you cheers boys thank you for listening to the canadian story you can find us on instagram and twitter at the cad story that's the cad story If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Let's work together to remind Canadians how great their country is.